Hello and welcome to the Heart of England Speakers Club podcast. My name is Pierre and I'm your host. We are an official Toastmasters Public Speaking Club in Sully Hall, south of Birmingham in England. We meet the first and third Tuesday of the month in person and online. For all details, please go to our website at heartspeakers.org.uk. Well, if you're a fan of public speaking, design, or for any other reason, welcome to our podcast and thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a very special guest, and her name is Swarnam Verma. She's from India and studied in France for design, and this is where our path virtually met. I'm going to talk to her about her, her upbringing and how she found a path in design, and we also talk about her public speaking, which I'm sure is of interest for a lot of people. Now, all our podcasts are online on Spotify. Some of them are on our YouTube channel. And I urge you to, hopefully you can see the, see this podcast from our YouTube channel. I hope you'll get to see Swarnan's portfolio. It is a really awesome visual treat, so I hope you'll check it out. And now, let's listen to our conversation. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. And I'm here with Swarnam. Hello, Swarnam. Hello. Thank you so much happy... for having me. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and a happy new year to you. Happy new year to you as well. Indeed. Okay, so let's get a quick introduction about yourself. So what, where are you from? What do you do currently? Uh, I'm an Indian and I am a 3D designer. I've recently graduated from ISD Velocian. Okay, very good. So I have your bio on my other screen. So we'll just take this, uh, you know, from the beginning. So where were you born? I was born in Bombay. Bombay. And then... When I was 12 years old, I moved to Dubai. So Dubai. I, yeah, I finished my high school in Dubai. Um, and then to do my design education, I spent two years in Pune, in ISD Pune. And then finally, I spent three years in ISD Velocian. Okay. Uh, question, obviously, you're, how do they teach English in India? Because I have no idea. Because your level is really um, good, obviously. Uh, well, for me, I went to an English medium school. So we have various schools that teach in English. That's the main language. Uh, and also, I think in India, in general, many people speak in English. It's a second language for most people. especially. How, how young do you start learning? Uh, as long as I can remember from mm -hmm. kindergarten, actually. Okay. So from, from a very long time. Okay. So growing up in Dubai, how was it? It was different. It was really <laughs> interesting. Um, and it was really different because it was a much bigger city. I come from, well, I was born in uh, Kargar. So it's a small, not a small, but well, it's a town in India. But um, Dubai was so much bigger and there were so many different people there. So for me, it was actually in the beginning, it was a cultural shock as well. Um, but I discovered so many things there, just so many different cultures coming together. It was really interesting to see um, how people live their lives together there and the different uh, architecture. And you know, there, there was just so much to see in terms of design. And mm -hmm. I think this had an impact on me when I was growing up, just observing all this around me. So yeah, I meant to ask you. So I've, 
you know, in graduate high school. So did you know you wanted to be in, in the design field at the time? No, I did not even know that this field really existed um, because everywhere around me, the people wanted to do engineering or they wanted to do medicine because it's a trend in India as well. Um, today, most students go for either uh, engineering or medicine, but um, I also chose to do engineering at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did for four months, actually. I, I went to the Delhi, uh, Delhi College of Engineering for, yeah. And then after four months, I realized that this is really not meant for me. I did not really feel it. I felt like I was just following the trend. And so I actually told my parents that I, I don't think that this is for me. I really think that I need to find myself. Um, and and then I opened my mind to more options at the time. And I found out that I have some friends who are doing design in, um, in ISD Pune. Uh, I found out more about design and I realized there is a field like product design. And at the time I thought this work was probably done by engineers, you know, I just did not know about it. And I saw that, okay, the combination of technology and creativity Put together, this sounded like something so much more for me because I always had a creative side. I used to always doodle, you know, whatever came to my mind. I, I was really interested in illustrations. Um, I, I was already interested in graphic design at the time. So it really seemed much more for me. And I was really happy. Today, I'm really happy. I, you know, I made that decision to switch from engineering to design. Yeah, see, you're smarter than me because uh, see this one right here. That's a diploma because I went four <laughs> years before realizing I didn't like it. So good for you. <laughs> it, I was also lucky because my parents really supported me in that. So, and I'm I'm glad. Okay, so you get to design school. Uh, what was the first thing that you were interested in, or are there any uh, areas that you're like, oh, I like that, or don't like that, or? Yeah, I started with product design. So for the first two years, that's what I did. Um, And we discovered the basics of the design process, of course, in the first two years. And globally, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But the part that interested me the most was using uh, digital tools for design. So we started with Photoshop and Illustrator just by, you know, creating renders and doing graphic design. And even just that, uh, it was my favorite and I used to, and I had the patience to do it. And I think in digital design, that's, that's one of the traits that we really need. It's just being able to sit in one place and solve the problem, you know, without getting frustrated when your software crashes. Um, so my teachers also, they recognized this in me and they said, you know, why don't you try doing digital design in third year? Because in IST, that's when we start specializing in mm-hmm. digital design. So I put my faith in it and I thought, yeah, I think I might like this. Um, but, you know, before starting out in third year, I did not know much about 3D. I had like, very basic knowledge of it, but I was really interested to know more. So okay. then so I switched you, to 3D. Okay, very good. So you did your first two years. So when did the idea to go to France uh, come into your head then? Yeah, I think you might know, might be knowing that ISD Pune got shut at the time um, after sorry, second year. I'm, I'm sorry, say that again. 
uh, ISD Pune, the school in yes. Pune, it got shut. It got shut down, yes. Yeah, uh, but I had the opportunity to come to France to apply to come to ISD Velocien. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, during my two years in ISD Pune, I, I wanted to try to go to ISD Velocien anyway, you know, from third year. So it was an opportunity for me. And um, I was always really interested to go to France. I had already started taking uh, basic courses in French, for example, uh, from first year of ISD itself. And so I took it. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, I mean, I had some doubts, but for me, it was just a chance to explore another culture. So I was really happy. Nice. Uh, you did show a little French in your, in your jury. How many languages <laughs> do you speak now? My God. Three languages. Three? French nice. being the third one, yeah. <laughs> Very good. What, how, how was the uh, process to get to France? Meaning, did you have to apply? Is there an entry, uh, like a uh, contest or whatever? I don't know. Do you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, we had to submit a portfolio. Yep. And yeah, it was mostly based on the portfolio as well as our grades from the first two years. So, okay. yeah. So when did you get to Valenciennes? It was the August of 2018. Yeah. Okay, August. So obviously, now let's show, how do I say this? Valencian is not quite as sunny as Dubai. <laughs> yes, it was a big change in my life. And, you know, even before Dubai, I was born in Bombay. So, you know, another really sunny place. And it was a shock to me because, I mean, I really did not like the cold in the beginning. It took me a while to get used to that. Um, but also... Velocine is a small, but it really, for me, it's a really pretty town, you know, and it was the first time for me to explore a French town. And um, I really liked it because it was, it was beautiful. There are these parks and there's a lake. And uh, for me, it was, an, it was really different from Dubai. So it was really interesting. Yeah, when I, I, I don't know if you know this. I was a teacher in Valenciennes oh, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> One of the okay. first, one of the first alias teachers at the school. So that's my relationship to the school because we go way back. And she said, "Do you need anything?" And I said, "Yes, send me, send me my umbrella because it just rains all the time." <laughs> oh yes, all the time. But anyway, and now I'm right. in Lille, so it's the same. Yeah, same. I think it's a nice city, very uh, young and vibrant, so it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you get to Valenciennes. How, how are things? How was your adaptation to the school? It was, it was not easy because uh, getting used to the language was uh, a challenge. I mean, they tried, of course, ISD tried their best to make sure that we integrate well because even our courses were held in English. Um, but I don't think it was easy for the professors either because they were used to giving, many of them were used to giving the courses in French. So for them to adapt was not easy. For the students, the French students to adapt was not easy as well. But that's what I found amazing that we eventually, through all the difficulties, found a way to find a middle ground and really understand each other. Um, And yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And it was really fun to explore the French culture as well during my studies. Um, so yeah, it's not easy, but it was, I learned so much in the process. 
No, it's uh, kudos to you. I mean, that's not an easy transition for sure. Uh, having taught at the ISD and having tried to do it in English, <laughs> it's with, you know, well, at the time, and we're all French in my class, so it just was really, really difficult to stay in English. So um, no, I feel for you, but good for you. So now we're, you finish, what's that? Your, so your first year in uh, France, that's your third year overall, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, what did you discover then, like, uh, work-wise? Do you have an internship lined up? How does that work? Yeah. Um, in third year, in digital design, we kind of globally explore everything. We explore alias and then polygonal modeling, texturing, rendering, all the basics. And so um, I had some trouble in third year to kind of figure out where I wanted to go next. But my portfolio teacher, Caroline Roger, she really helped me at the time because when she looked at my work, she saw that I was showing a strong interest in colors and in materials in 3D. It, it's something that even I could not see, but you know, with her experience, she could tell that this would be a very interesting path for me. So she suggested that I should make my third year portfolio like a digital trend book because for all my renders, I used to explore the theme with by using different mood boards. And uh, I really love to just explore the part of 3D materials and combinations of different materials. So that's what I did. I presented it like a 3D trend book. And uh, for uh, those, for our listeners who are not familiar, can you quickly explain what a trend book is? Yeah, so basically in design, when we create themes for our design, we create mood boards, which are basically a set of images or videos, um, which create the essence of our theme. Uh, they, they tell you about the kind of lighting that would be there in the theme, the kind of colors, the kind of textures that will be used. So it's basically a collection of inspiration that we use to further develop our designs with. Uh, and so traditionally today, we make 2D mood boards, which is images. But um, my, my goal is to take add another dimension to this and to be able to do this process in 3D as well, because um, you know, images are still flat, but with 3D, we, by using 3D textures, we can get a much clearer idea of the kind of theme that we want. Very good. So. Okay, so you, this is where it all started for you, I guess. The, the, whole, the whole mood board, doing it digitally. Very yeah. well. Did you find an internship that year? Yeah, after that, um, I was really lucky because Adobe Substance 3D decided to contact me. They saw my portfolio and my mentor, Pierre Mael, um, he was looking for... Oh, yeah. Uh, small yeah, world. The, exactly, small world. He was looking for someone who would be interested in exploring the world of 3D texturing, especially by using the Substance 3D tools. Um, and he saw like I was really interested in 3D materials. So he contacted me. And at the time, um, for me, it was the first time, um, well, nobody I knew had done an internship at a software company. So, you know, my friends and professor had questions like, okay, uh, why would you intern at a software company? And it was because for them, we are users, right? As 3D designers, we are users. 
And they really wanted to study us because Adobe at the time had just acquired Substance 3D. So they wanted to know more about our process and our workflows and how they as a software company could help really help us. So it was really interesting because I would have the freedom to test out different workflows and also to explore um, you know, where 3D tools are currently being used in design and how this is changing with time. Was that, I mean, I've seen your work. So, you know, speaking from a little experience, was that like a big eureka moment for you when you started using Substance? Oh, it really was. Because uh, when, I, when I first jumped into Substance Painter, for example, which is the software that is used for texturing meshes, I was amazed because it was like the mesh was my canvas and I could try so many different things. I could apply so many different kinds of materials and, you know, just design, but in 3D. So it was like adding another level to how I could iterate. And it was amazing. It was a Eureka moment indeed. I'm, I'm glad. How did you find the learning curve? Because I'm not, I haven't used it myself. I know of it, obviously. I know, you know, it's visual coding. So let's say if you want to do six rows, you have, uh, you know, rows and you connect the block that says six. But the beauty of it, if you want eight, you just change the number to eight and everything updates. How was the learning curve for you? How did you find it? Uh, in the beginning, it, it's completely different from anything I had done. So it was a bit difficult, but I would say I practiced a lot. Uh, for four or five months, it was continuous practice, you know, trying to just, uh, and also observing how people made their maps in, you know, so these are procedural maps. I would just download different uh, materials and try to observe how people made it and, you know, look for patterns um, of the correct way to, um, you know, group everything because there are so many nodes and you tend to get lost, but it's all about practice, I think. And I would say it's not very difficult, uh, but yeah, like every other software, you need to keep practicing. Uh, but, you know, when I started in my internship, it was, uh, I was new to this. I had not really used it before. So I learned during my internship and also learned how to apply it towards the end. For those of you who are interested, we'll link the uh, an article by Swarnam into the yeah. Adobe Substance if you're really curious. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing what she's done and you'll get a better feeling of it. We just don't want to get too technical right now. Yeah. Now, how long was your internship? Uh, six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah. So then you go back to school for what? Another six months? For another year because another year. Um, the internship was the start of the fourth year. Oh, so the nice. first semester. So then there was a second semester of fourth year and the fourth semester of fifth year. So what well, after you went to after Adobe, uh, what had when you went back to school? How did you feel? Did you want to do more of this or try something else? Or well, I was sure I wanted to do more of this, but uh, I wanted to learn how to apply everything I learned in different projects. So that's exactly what I did. And it was a special time because it was also during COVID. So <laughs> the year of school, but with COVID. I don't know no, what you mean. That. I mean, I just don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. So you had to, so you had to, it was fourth year, you line up another internship then, right? Is that correct? Yeah. After the first semester, fifth year. Yeah. So yeah, okay. after one year of exploring, further uh, different uh -huh. projects where I applied my skills in substance. 
Also, I got interested in Marvelous Designer because, uh, yeah, because I love texturing, but um, I discovered that with Marvelous where I could create cloth in 3D and apply various textile fabrics. I thought this was a related, but uh, really different, but new and really exciting field. And I learned more like today, there are companies which are increasingly using Clo3D to create prototypes in uh, 3D. And I thought, okay, texturing and 3D modeling for fabrics put together. Uh, that's something very exciting. And I wanted to just explore that even more. And I got lucky because Decathlon was looking for some for an intern to explore the world of 3D iteration well, with fabrics and 3D materials. And I was a good fit for them. And so I started another journey. <laughs> so the question that I have is, um, well, by the way, sub, uh, Marvelous is uh, yeah, 3D software for clothing, just to clarify that. Yeah. How, uh, how much 3D was the Decathlon using in their clothing and texture and you know, samples and all that? Was there a lot or were you the only one doing it? They're already modelists, so they're using it for uh, clothes already, you know, like to stylize clothes in 3D. But uh, texturing was something new. You know, to mix this with texturing is something new. And I'm, I not only textured clothes in 3D, but I also proposed to them how different fabrics could look like in the future. So if a CMF designer came to me with a fabric, uh, I was able to create it in 3D and even make some changes, like changes in the knit pattern or the kind, the colors that we used and show the CMF designer how this fabric could look like with various iterations. And I could show this on 3D clothes. So in a way, we were able to create complete 3D prototypes uh, of clothes, but also with many different fabrics that don't even exist yet. Just be able to think out loud in 3D. So it was really interesting. And I'm the first person to try this specific workflow out. And uh, yeah, I think that's what we saw. You know, when we saw your work, like, wow, okay, this is, uh, this is where everything is heading. That brings us to, you know, the juries in the fifth year. This is where you and I finally virtually meet. Yeah. <laughs> Just to explain to our audience, uh, ISD has a final jury, right? This, how much of your grade is the final jury? Forty percent, thirty percent. Yeah, thirty to forty. Thirty to forty. A okay. lot of credits. So yeah, every student has to present in English the entire body of their work, and they have forty minutes in front of people they don't know, about professional in the industry. So we had people from Google, Toyota. Uh, we also had Colleen, she's uh, doing watches, and uh, we had uh, from Scott also, and myself. Okay, how, because obviously we see your work, and we see people present, and I've been doing this uh, a while. So how did you prepare for your final speech? Yeah, it was um, a long process, because I started with structuring first, my ideas and that's not easy because you know in my head it's three years of so many experiences and to make sense of it all of that in 25 minutes 
you know, and to present all of it. Uh, it's very important to choose what we want to say and make sure that at the end, everything makes sense put together. So I started by, you know, highlighting, by deciding my highlights of these three years. I put everything together um, and then I decided to present it. Well, I decided to be very authentic while I presented it. So um, I, I did say like, okay, if I had doubts on the journey, I, I decided to also talk about that. But it, for me, every time at the end of every semester, I would pose a question to myself like, okay, what do I want to do next? And so I decided that, yeah, even during my jury, I'm going to present it like that. Like at every stage, I pose a question and then I contemplated on it. And with the opportunities that I had at the time, I took the next decision. Uh, and this was just to show my journey with milestones clearly. And after that, of course, I practiced a lot. <laughs> I practiced my speech a lot. I made sure that I was on time. Um, but yeah. Actually, this is uh, this is important. I think we should uh, emphasize this. If your fellow students are listening, or if anybody doing public speaking is listening, this is good. How when did you start practicing? Because forty minutes is uh, it's uh, thirty five minutes for you plus five minutes for Q and A. I mean, that's a really long time. So when did you start it's... really start practicing your speech? Um, around three days before, I think. Three days before. Yeah, but That's the thing is, if, well, I wrote exactly what I felt, you know, it was really heartfelt, it, it was really passionate, you know, because I really love what I do. So <laughs> it was not difficult to write this speech. Yeah, I mean, structuring it was a little bit tricky, but uh, it was not difficult for me to remember everything, because it was just a collection of my own experiences. Um, but I made sure that I would practice in front of a mirror, you know, and time myself. Good. Because when you're there on stage, you cannot afford to de deviate, you know. It's very easy to deviate in conversation and uh, talk about topics that are connected, but you kind of, you tend to lose sight of what you really came to say. So I had to make sure that didn't happen because of the time restriction that we had. And so I practiced many times, like maybe 30 to 40 times. I, I practiced a lot and yeah a, uh, <laughs> a little side story i um on tuesday before wednesday um so the jury was on thursday right i uh tuesday uh, everybody at the house takes a covid test and i'm like whatever and then one of them comes out double red and you're like oh so I had to scrap my trip to the school when i could not make it so I actually attended the juries remotely and even remotely, we could feel, I could feel the passion of your speech coming through. So, and that's really important because when you, when you have people in the audience, that's one thing. But if you have now more and more people are online, I mean, you still want to convey that same uh, emotion and passion. And uh, it came through. And from my end, as you know, looking at as a public speaker myself, you made it look really easy. But from what I see, I mean, you had to put a lot of practice into it. And do you like public speaking? Overall? Oh, I do. You do? I do. Okay. I really do. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not scared, you know, of speaking uh, in front of many people. I'm not scared of it. But just for something like my jury, in which I just had 
25 minutes, you know, I had to be sure that I made use of this time in the best and the most efficient way possible. It was that, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared of speaking in public. I, I really love it. In fact, it's something I want to push further now that I have the time to do more things because I'm not a student anymore. Uh, I, this is one of the things I really want to learn more about. Um, and so I would continue to work on this, but um, you know, ever since I was young, actually, I was not scared of it because in school, we used to have these little competitions, which are really just fun contests where students would be invited to come up on stage and like recite poetry, or it was a contest for storytelling. You know, since middle school, I was doing that and I really enjoyed doing that. And I think that just in ISD, because we have so many presentations for our long projects and uh, our juries, it gave me a chance to explore that more and to develop that even further. And yeah, I no, think I, I mean, would love to. I've seen a lot of uh, speeches. I've seen a lot of student speeches. And uh, I mean, it, it looked completely effortless. They're just like, yeah, this is me. This is this. this is this. I'm like, wow, that's. That was really good. So congrats. That was, it came again through the screen. It came out really well. And uh, so thank good you. For you. Okay. So the speech is done and you're the last one to go. So oh, yeah. <laughs> there were what, 14 students and you're the last one. How did that feel, by the way, to go last? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But because, you know, everyone has seen everything and you're the last one. It's just, yeah, there's some added pressure because, you know, it's like being a showstopper, you know? <laughs> it's, um, yeah, but I decided to just not think about that. It's okay. It's not important. The order is not important. It's just important that I present my ideas to everyone and I show how passionate I am authentically. And Yeah. No, two things. I mean, the, uh, the presentation was really good. Again, it came out natural. You knew what you were talking about. Your enthusiasm came through. And uh, the use of software was absolutely phenomenal. So those are, I mean, for all the CMF people I work with, uh, you're the first one I've seen actually pushing something new and something that could be quite revolutionary. So I think what we all agreed on is that this is probably going to be, this is more of the future of the profession. So you're way ahead, so congratulations. So that same night, I'm guessing you get the grade. I wasn't there, sadly. So that same night, mm -hmm. the grades come out. So were you in the auditorium? How did it go? Oh, actually, it was not the same night, but just what a few it? days after. Few it days was later. just a few days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I knew that it would be good, but uh, I ended up being the top of my grade so i was really happy <laughs> it was indeed you were the top top grade in your class how did that feel amazing <laughs> it was amazing i mean i did not have that objective in mind i just i was really happy to have found my way and i was really happy to be doing what i'm doing and that's it but this was like a cherry on top and yeah felt amazing <laughs> For all the years I've been doing it, and it's been a while. Um, I mean, I think you're the first uh, first woman who wins the the really? highest grade. So that's quite something. And as uh, I'm gonna write about this, but I always thought, you know, 
you always think it's going to be, you know, a, a woman who does, you know, cars or watches or, you know, the traditional stuff that I see, right? Now it's clothing. But uh, I mean, you've brought something really new. And I think that's, that's something uh, noteworthy, I think. And you're being yourself with it. That's another thing. I think if, uh, if I had advice to give the students is A, study, you know, practice your speech a lot. And B, just be yourself, you know. And that came through. Okay, so now you're a graduating student. So what's next for you? Uh, right now, I'm working as a 3D CMF designer in Decathlon. Uh, I'm just waiting for some of my visa work to be over, but I'll soon be joining them full time. And uh, it's really, I'm really excited because I will be working on many different kinds of projects. And uh, luckily, my my boss, he really wants me to push this 3D creative iteration uh, in CMF design. He really wants me to try this out with many different designers so we can construct a workflow for this. And um, also after he saw my showreel, uh, he wants me to even try making some animations, maybe with some 3D mood boards to show really how far we can push 3D in iterative design. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think, yeah, 3D in, uh, in uh, color, material, and finish. This is, uh, I think, you're, yeah, we're looking at the future. Do you see yourself in five, five years from now? Do you know any ideas where you want to go with this? Yeah, I would like to actually dive a bit deeper in the world of 3D apparel design because I see that, you know, creating 3D fabrics and 3D apparel put together is really, is a wonderful combination. Uh, so I would like to explore this more by learning more in clothes 3D. Um, and, you know, by also really understanding the world of CMF designers today. So I can practically see how, you know, step-by-step step we can transition to thinking out loud in 3D because it's still new. And uh, it's important to show the potential of these tools to the CMF designers today. So yeah, I would I would like to see how I grow in the field of 3D apparel and materials. Something I meant to ask you and I forgot. In your um, in your 3D work, you see a lot of uh, obviously. I mean, a lot of things I've seen from your other students are and even marvelous or uh, whatever else. Is the clothing tends to be really stiff, but in yours you made them really flowy. Is that something you learned on your on your own, or how did you discover that? How did you discover how to make all this really look natural? Yeah, I discovered it on my own through different experiments because. As a simple example, if you just make a flat square cloth on Marvelous Design and if you just drop it, you know, with its physics, it's just going to drop flat. So I, I learned how to, well, drop it halfway, pause the simulation, and then again, you know, bring it up and then start dropping it again. So yeah, these are small tips and tricks that I learned on my own. But it's important to understand that, you know, the software itself sometimes is not not designed to, you know, have create the same thing that's in our mind. So we need to play around a little bit and find these little shortcuts to achieve what we want to do. So it's all about well, experimenting. <laughs> that's all right, let's tech talk. When you drop a plane, right? You have all little CVs come with it. And, but I mean, it's really intense on computing power. And it takes a long time to calculate that. If you pause it halfway, 
and then you want to drop it again. Where your computing time like went through the roof, or did you find a way around that? Mm, not really, because I think I I do have good computer, you know, with a good <laughs> GPU. So I that guess helps. yes, that helps. Um, but also, you know, I would not just drop it on the floor, but I would drop it on some like spears, you know, so it would give it that more a more fluid form. But yeah, it's like you. It's it's creative thinking. I mean, I knew that I would not get the same results by just dropping it on the floor. So if I want a form that's wavy, I need to drop it on something that has a wavy structure. So sure. just a bunch of spheres, you know, it, it, it did the job. But yeah. One more thing I meant to ask you is uh, I didn't go. To, I was lucky enough to go to India, and uh, I was really struck by the uh, the colors. Like you know, especially when you go to the food market, you see all the spices is really really bright colors. And in your work, you can see that all those rich, the color richness, do you bring a lot of your own culture into your colors? I think, yes. Uh, I think it was not maybe conscious, but subconsciously, I was always observing everything around me and it always created an impression in my mind. And today, you know, even when I just go traveling to a new place, I... I take a lot of time just capturing the little details that I see, you know, details in, in buildings, in just objects around me, uh, in color combinations or in just the finishes. So it's really just a part of me. It's not just the work I do, but it's really what I'm genuinely interested in because I see it everywhere around me. And I think the fact that I come from such a colorful country has a big role to play in it because we're not afraid of using colors, you know. We, we love to use bold colors because we know it creates a big emotional impact. And so I think I, I really, yeah, I, I learned this from my culture. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, having worked for an Indian company for a long time, I mean, you could definitely encourage the, the, you know, bringing that richness of culture into car designs. And I hope you will bring that richness as well in whatever field you decide to work in. So oh, that's really good. Really awesome. I hope so. Well, Swarnam, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's, uh, it's been really a really good time. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful also, to speak to you. And also good luck to you in your uh, future career, but I'm sure we'll hear and uh, see a lot about you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.